about to talk about city states. So these are cities that act as states, hence city state. So Boise, Idaho is destroying Idaho. And that's what the party's doing. They treat these cities like Mao treated the, the villages, the Maoist villages. They use grievance politics. They use division politics. They use intersectionality. And the federal government pours money into these efforts. Sometimes because they are participating in the culture war, like the people who run Joe Biden intend to fold this country. Sometimes because they're utterly misled. But we have to fight these city-states as Christians, number one, and as conservative Christians, number two. But I also want to give a message to some people in the audience who I know work for city governments because I get the messages from you. Colossians 3, 23 through 24, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. True. And if you are being asked to do ungodly things at work, you can't live to that scripture. And you're going to need to get out. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. So appreciative of Soda Weight Loss, sodaweightloss.com. I told you about the seven, seven and a half pounds I put on. The monster energy drinks for the culprits. Well, just went to that protocol. Took about three weeks and it's gone. Unwanted fat. Now that's... Some people would say that's not a lot of weight, but man, if you got the last 15 pounds, it won't come off. It always seems like a lot. It's sodaweightloss.com. You know, for a long time now, I've referred to Washington State and California as separate countries. And I don't want that to be the case, but it is. And so the reason that I do that is to put it in the right frame as I see it, to be honest about what they are. They don't have any relationship to the United States any longer. Not the way the United States was designed, certainly. And it's very much by design. I cannot emphasize this enough. Separate countries like Washington and California and Oregon are the the hotbeds of the cultural revolution. It's very much on purpose. The point of view of dictators like Inslee and, and Kate Brown from Oregon and Gavin Newsom from California and Kate Hulchel from New York. Hulchel just says it out loud. You're, if you are not with our policies, you're not a New Yorker, get out, move to Florida. That's very much on purpose. They do not want anybody in their states who disagree with them. So their view is, hey, you want to stay and fight? Sweet. You're funding us. You're funding the army you're fighting. You want to leave? Cool. That's what we want. We want to own the coasts. 
So it's a very devilish plan because it's devilish to destroy a country like this. This doesn't work without the city states. And I want to give credit where it's due. It's to a longtime listener to the radio show um, and the podcast. He's a fellow Idahoan, uh, Richard, Richard Molina, who just coined that phrase, city states. At least coined it for me. These things are by design. The city states are created and funded to the wish lists of people who are urbanists. And it starts there. There's a thing called being an urbanist. And that is a belief that everybody should live in the cities. And there are groups that, that work hard to make it hard for people to live in the suburbs. And certainly they don't want us in the country. So urbanists want all resources concentrated into the city. Now there are people who are urbanists and not evil. I have friends who are urbanists and they're good people and they don't judge dear friend of mine in the tech business. Um, I don't see him as often as I like or communicate as often as I like. He got me my start truly taught me how to speak VC and, and, and taught me how to be a CEO. He's a, he's a beautiful man. He's liberal, but not insane. He makes no judgment against North Idaho. His father lives here. And so he comes and visits. He's an urbanist. Pragmatically, he thinks that it is better for the species and the planet if we all live in the cities. And he'd never think of using force or anything like coercion or force ever. But there are people who are using coercion and force to get us all into the cities. So they're the urbanists. Within the cities, there are people who have figured out that no one cares about local elections when they involve local topics. This is exactly how they did it to Seattle. They figured out no one cares about the, the, the timing of the streetlights. Not really. No one cares about the, the, the zoning commissions and parks. Not really. No one's wringing their hands over, you know, sales tax rates. Not really. There's a very small minority of people who are concerned with sales tax rates. They're business owners, but they're a very small minority. So the, 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 what they would recall catering to small businesses, it doesn't matter to them because they looked at the math. About 10% of people own businesses. Why do we care? Why do we even speak the language of caring about small businesses? Or in the cities, very few people have interaction with law enforcement. I mean, think about it. How much interaction have you had with law enforcement in your life? Times. Just think of time. You know, I mean, when I was a young man, I was in jail twice. Once for about eight hours and once for about an hour. <laughs> the, 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 the time I was in there for an hour is really funny. Because the guy walked by the holding cell, an officer, and he looked in and goes, Todd Herman? I go, yeah. He goes, why are you in here? I said, well, I didn't renew my license and I got pulled over. You, you have a job. You're supposed to be on the radio right now. I go, I know. Oh, let's get you out of here. This is crazy. No one should have ever arrested you. I'm like, but I didn't renew my license. Yeah, but oh, come on. So in my whole life, on an official capacity, I may have interacted with law enforcement for, including those two instances, 10 and a half hours. 
So they did the math. Well, why do we care? Why do we cater to cops? And then they said, what do people care about? They looked at national elections. What do people care about? They, they, they don't want to be scared. They don't want to be on the side of evil. So all of a sudden there were these templates born. And the template was, we are running to save the world from Nazis. And so city council elections became about saving the world from Nazis. And city council elections became about um, writing letters on behalf of the, uh, the rivers. And city council elections became these crazy fests. And then activists get involved. It is not hard to sway a city council. City councils can be swayed by the loudest group. So you get a couple of loud council members who are there to just wreak havoc because they intend to overturn the system and they brag about it. They bring in their activists. Now, the way this has worked in Seattle is a case study. And there's a, there's a, there is a Facebook page, believe it or not, called Safe Seattle. And it's run by a friend of mine. And he wrote the preeminent study on the homeless industrial complex. And the way this works is once you get these city council people in position, they will be then begin moving people into their district. Now, this is so hard to believe, but this is how they do it. You know, those homeless camps, those are voters. And so they bring people in to those districts by way of these homeless camps. The federal government's done this for years uh, with, with government housing. That's, that's very tactical as to where they put people in, in government housing. You know about Barack Obama and the people who run Joe Biden using government housing uh, to move people back and forth and to move voters. So in the city states, they put these homeless camps into the districts of the most obscenely bizarre leftist city office holders. They're then voters, and this is a true story. They get paid. They get paid to go to council meetings. They get paid in the form of housing and housing vouchers. Because the big swindle in the cities is to get this voting base, they turn to non-government organizations that are mobbed up pseudo-charities who take care of, so-called, take care of these homeless people by way of storing them. And the way this works is they say, you can stay in our camp, in our shacks, and we'll get you food, we'll get you hot drinks, we'll get you socks. You can, you know, sex traffic and take all the drugs you want in our shacks. But you have to work. And work means going to city council meetings. And work means voting. And work means going out and getting campaign donations. And so they do. It is the biggest shakedown. And so what happens is you now have a permanent voting block for these leftists. That's how they do it. They then repeat that with the next you know, few positions. And suddenly you have politicians who can't be fired. They can't be outvoted. Because if they need more voters, they import them. Now, this should sound familiar to you. 
there is an, an, a crazy and ridiculously dangerous city councilwoman in Seattle named um, Shama Sawant. And I used to call her uh, the Bogwan Shrill Sawant because she's a shrill woman. And I was comparing her to the Bogwan Sri Ranish. Sri Ranish. Remember the Bogwan Sri Ranish? Remember him? Uh, he came over from India, set up shop in a small town in Oregon, and then started taking over the town council by the presence of his cult. And when they needed more voters, they started bringing in homeless people from Denver and Salt Lake and in colder climates, because this part of Oregon is pretty much warm all the time. They imported them. They seized the city. They seized city government. The city government was seized by a guy from India who ran a cult. The Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh. There's a great um, Netflix documentary about this guy. They came very close to seizing the county. And they were, they had amongst their plans was to poison people, not to kill them, but to make them so sick they couldn't vote. That, that was in their plans. It's the same swindle in the city states. So there's a reason that the city states want illegal immigrants because their votes. Oh, well, they don't get to vote. Okay. Well, let's pretend that's true. It's not, but let's pretend it is. You know what they are? Their votes in Congress. See, this is so little known. Those are heads that count on the census. Do you remember when President Trump wanted to discern between people who were um, legal in a district and people who weren't and how the party fought that? The reason they fought that is because they want to import these people in because it gives them extra congressional seats, which is votes and it's congressional monies. So that's why they import the homeless. That's why they import the drug addicts. That's why they import um, the, the illegal immigrants and defend them and say, we won't arrest you. It's because every head counts for federal monies and for federal votes. Then with those monies comes one of the next steps in the swindle, which is now you give the urbanists everything they want. Remember the urbanists? So now you build the buses and the trains. And remember, anytime there's a wheel moving on a car, on a, pardon me, on a bus, someone's getting paid. The city's getting paid by the federal government. The federal government's getting paid by the taxpayer and all of its pretend money because we are a bankrupt nation. So then they start to give the people who are the smuggles. Okay, smuggled means people who are completely unaffected by liberal policies so they can vote for them. They begin to say to the smugglers, oh, oh, look at the homeless. Oh, look at the situation with homelessness. We need more money. And smugglers say, oh, it's bad. Yeah, I see all the homeless camps. We need more money. And you know what? The homeless need buses. They need buses. Well, never mind that they don't ride buses, but let's get them buses. And this begets them this massive shopping spree for now bus lines. So here's how this works. You get bus lines, which are one thing, but it's fixed rail that's truly the poison. Because what they'll do is they'll take the city and they'll export it to the suburbs. They'll take the train line and they use eminent domain to purchase land at dimes on the dollar. They turn around, they build trains there, and then they sell that land for multiples. 
But all along the way, they're picking and choosing land where the developers know they're choosing it. It's a mobbed up process. Everybody's making money. These transit organizations are not measured on what percentage of people they move. That doesn't matter. They are make work for unions and unions then do what? Feed the left, which then replicates bringing more homeless people. When these train lines launch, they always build low-income housing around the train lines. And the happy, happy story is, oh, look, now, now these people will work. They'll work because now there's trains and they can go to work. And the reason they don't work is there's no trains. That's not true. Seven years down the road, those low-income housing apartments, boom, they're no longer um, low-income. Now they're luxury condos. And people who do take the train occasionally live on top of the train lines. So then they move the low-income housing further down the line. And this is the way they export then these policies. So what they'll do, and this is what they're trying to do in North Idaho with Western Washington, and God forbid this happens. To my listeners in North Idaho, to my listeners in Boise, to my listeners in, in Utah who do not want the poison of your cities exported, stop the train lines. They're actually considering in Idaho doing a regional transit authority between Washington and, and Idaho, which have nothing in common politically. What happens is they plant those train lines, then they start exporting the policies of the federal government, which is the homeless camps, the illegal immigrants. You can think of it as arteries. That's, that's, that's what it is. All of it come from the Maoist villages. And once they achieve that, they get to a point, and what the Republicans do here is typical Republicanism, they don't fight. They'll say, well, we don't own the cities, but we, uh, you know, we're just going to protect the suburbs. You, you guys are so, so blind. You don't get that this is a form of evil that's infecting the country, or you're just bought off. When they get to a point of 60% majorities in the cities, they don't care. They don't care about any opposition. That's when they can now begin the change to the culture war. That's when they begin to attack kids' sexuality. That's when they begin to attack the, the, the morality of families. That's when they begin to attack the churches. Because now they're taking the light form of communism and exporting that around to the suburbs. And in Washington state, you've seen this in Renton. You've seen this in Des Moines. You've watched this happen to Tacoma. Um, in San Francisco, you've seen that exported into San Mateo. You've seen it exported. It didn't need to go across the bridge in Oakland because it's already there. But you see it up now up in the hills in Pittsburgh. You see it. It's being exported. That's what they do. Austin. Look what's happened in Austin, Texas. That's what they do. Then they can begin to go super, super hardcore in the cities. This is where they turn from you know, this, this, this building up, now they press the gas on the cultural revolution part of all this. And that's where we're at in the cities. That's where we're at in the city states. And I'll just offer proof now that this is going on. And as we go through this, we'll talk about how to stop it. But guess what it starts with? Get out of the federal dollars. Get out. The number one goal of any Republican who wants to save this country is get off the federal dollars. Do not give them that business model. Do not do that. There's a lot more we'll talk about. I was talking with some people uh, in the radio business and pretty high up people. Very, they seem like really good people. 
And they were letting me know that they are so impressed with um, the the podcast family's response to our partners. That we that the phrase they, they used was you really punch above your weight. And what I said is, no, I don't. The Lord has matched me up with people who are family to this cast. It's not a listener base. It's a family base. And that's so true with this company, Allen's Artisan Soaps. Because we're talking about the business model with the podcast and, and how God's blessed us and, and our partnerships and what they mean to us financially. And, and then we were talking about the smaller companies we help, like Allen's Artisan Soaps. And I got word that Allen made it out of surgery, um, that he's going to be coming out of the, um, the, the ICU, intensive care units. May God make it so. And I saw a picture of Allen. He's sitting there up at a, in, a, in a chair in the ICU with the, the, uh, uh, you know, the IVs in his arm. And his dad, John, said to me, bravest boy I know. Absolutely he is. And this, this attachment that we have to this company, Allen's Artisan Soaps, it has to be the product because I will tell you if, if Allen's had come to us and said, yeah, we're, we, want, we would love some help getting the company going and the soap was god awful, I would have had to said, hey, let's raise some money for you or let's do something else. The soap's remarkable. I think God touches the product. In fact, that, that thought just came to me just, just now. I think God probably blesses this product. Um, there's no reason that a small company, albeit with three decades of soap making experience behind, not three decades, three generations of soap making expertise behind them, uh, should so quickly come up with these new scents. Lavender Rosemary inspired by Alan's grandmother. Alan's 12. He's the young boy who's just gone through the surgeries. Cedarwood Jasmine, Watermelon Basil, Vanilla Lime. Um, those are the classics that are fantastic. There's no reason that they should be this excellent but I think God smiles upon this company. When you buy the soap with these guys, yeah, you cleanse your body, but gosh, do I even dare say this? No, nah, I don't think I can go far enough to say that you cleanse your soul, but I do think that, you, that, that you're doing something on which God smiles because you don't think God loves kids with autism? Yeah, he does. And I think that God really smiles on a company that says, we're going to hire kids with autism. We're going to give them responsibility. They're going to work every day. It's not, they're not mascots. They do work. And in the case of young Allen, it's quality control and the inventing of soaps. And that's big work, especially for a kid who's gone through like, I don't know, it's eighth or ninth surgery. Now it's a spinal fusion. It's heavy. It starts and it stops with the product though. It's allensoaps.com slash Todd. There you get a 10% savings on the Herminator sub. This is a six month subscription package, six bars of soap, a soap rack, a soap pouch, a fluff, all at a 10% savings. Easy to get, just go to Allen Soaps. That's A-L-A-N-S soaps.com slash Todd. Allensoaps.com slash Todd. This is a woman um, who worked for Barack Hussein Obama. Mm -mm -mm. And um, in that work, she advised Barack Obama on law enforcement. And she has a very interesting view about law enforcement. Her name is Brittany Packnett Cunningham. And she describes herself as an American activist and co-founder of Campaign Zero. She was a member of President Barack Obama's task force in 21st century policing. 
She was previously executive director for Teach for America in St. Louis, Missouri. Teach Against America. She has a very interesting view on on being safe in the city states. We can build new systems of public safety that do not involve the police. Because if cameras were a deterrent alone, frankly, we would have seen massive police reform after the beating of Rodney King, which lest we forget, was caught on video camera. This is not operating as the deterrent that uh, reformers promised it would. And I used to be one of those folks. So she says we don't need cops to be safe. And we can all be fine without cops. Okay. Portland, Oregon. Second time in two weeks this happened. Antifa, by name, decided to seize some streets. Sometimes they seize street cars. These are ours now. In this case, they decide to seize streets. These belong to us now. And if you object to that, we're glad to beat you over the head. We're all armed. These are armed guerrilla armies. That's what they are. They are practicing street warfare. They are practicing muscle politics. That's what they are. They're normalizing this. They're teaching these people to not fear it. They're showing Portlanders, we own this. Guys, this is a predicate. This is going to be used. The prerequisite to what they intend to do when they full on turn the corner into tyranny is it's no longer streets they take, it's houses. The going around in the neighborhoods marching and, and chanting, gentrifier, gentrifier, get the fire, get the fire. Was telling, we intend to burn you out of your houses. This happens Every time there's a cultural revolution, you are living in one. This is the scene in Portland, Oregon, as they seize this freeway. There's a retired, one would assume, retired older couple in a white van. They very reasonably make the decision to leave. It's been described as panic, and maybe it is, but it may have been a tactical decision to look at a group of street guerrilla fighters, armed people, burning things, destroying things, breaking cars, breaking into cars. They make the wise decision to exit to save their lives. You'll hear some gunshots. the gunshots this this is an antifa soldier with his uh, his hand turned sideways not even not even attempting to sight the weapon not even attempting to zero it or zero it not even attempting to sight it gangster style sideways pulling off rounds one of the rounds, and the media said went astray. No, it didn't. All of it was astray. It hit and killed a fellow Antifa. A human being captured by satanic evil who died committing said evil. And now Antifa uses GoFundMe to raise money. That happened in Portland, Oregon, an American city-state.
cops did not respond. Not they took a while. They didn't. They can't. City-state politics have decimated the police. The policies of we will use every method we can to destroy your career, officer, if you do anything that displeases the party has worked. It's not that there was a delayed response. Cops didn't go. That's an American city-state. That's Venezuela. That's... The, the, the worst parts of Mexico, that's here. That's what happens. That's by design. That's the outcome of letting them run wild. That's why they want the cops out. Because what happens in the minds of the populace of Portland is capitalism is broken. America is broken. It doesn't work. No, the American system is not being used. It's being attacked. On fighting the city-states, number one, if Republicans want to win, and they don't because there's no business model in this, split up the cities. At a state level, pass a law. No city may exceed X number of citizens. Split the cities up. Gerrymander them. Make cities like Seattle their own county. Why? Because you can spread the vote out. You can dilute the vote. You can include the conservative areas. Or you take Seattle proper, make it a county. Now you dilute its power in comparison to the greater King County. Now, now King County is the bigger county by far. There's very few people who live in the downtown Seattle core. There's very few people who live in the downtown San Francisco core. Cut it off. Make it a county. Now the greater San Francisco County can vote sane policy in. And Seattle can rot and San Francisco can rot in its own stew. And pitch it. Hey, Seattle, you can have everything you want. You can have free health care and call it free health care. You can have that in downtown Seattle. Make yourself a county. And then King County is larger. San Francisco County is larger. Oakland County is larger. The other thing, everybody in government takes a pledge to uphold the Constitution. Where it's not being upheld, Republican AGs need to do the Ron DeSantis bit, but you need to prosecute these city office holders who refuse to prosecute the law. This has to happen. There has to be a pushback because their war, and it is a war, is marching on. Have you watched the politics change in Salt Lake City and it's changing Utah? Have you seen what they're doing in, in Salt Lake? We were just some, with some friends of ours. Um, who lost a son. He moved to Salt Lake. He was, he was a very troubled man. He spent a lot of time homeless. He moved to Salt Lake because he heard they took good care of homeless people there. It's, the winters in Salt Lake are brutal and the summers are hot. Why did he move there? Because they take good care of homeless people by saying, hey, yeah, you can have an apartment and you can get high and you can drink all day long. Everywhere you look, that's the template. At a state level, 
You need to, while you can vote in, government monies will not be used to support drug use. You need to vote this in. You need to cut these cities off. You need to. With the transit, like they use, I described how these are arteries. You need to pass laws saying there will be a blind lottery for land. You need to pass a law to say prior to funding any transit, it has to move 30% of the population. You need to corral these cities. If you don't corral these cities, you will end up in full-fledged, full-fledged China model. Because these cities are the linchpin. They are the Maoist villages. If you don't believe me, listen to the words of a woman who survived. Mao. Yeah, she survived Mao Zedong. Listen to her words. Her name is Chi Van Fleet. The soda weight loss journey that you can take requires one thing to start the journey. So my question to you is this, how much unwanted fat do you want gone? Now, some of that's a scale issue, right? You jump on the scale and I hope you're looking at a scale that counts your body composition. If not, if it's, you know, a hundred pounds, if it's 200 pounds, I've been there. I know what 150 pounds of extra fat feels like. I also know it feels like it's, it's so large, nothing can be done about it. What if it's five pounds a week, 20 pounds a month, 20 pounds a month, five months, that's a hundred pounds. It's doable. If you're a woman, sometimes it takes longer, but 20 weeks, a hundred pounds gone. That's the cool part. Here's the health part. How will it feel when it stays gone? That is the core difference of soda weight loss at sodaweightloss.com. Soda stands for state of the art. The focus is not, hey, let's take this weight off and then let it come back. The focus is let's take this weight off, dot, dot, dot. Keep it off. So these folks are healthcare providers by background. <laughs> They're cheerful people. They love it when clients succeed. In fact, you're going to create a commitment with them, a commitment weight. This is going to be based upon body composition. So percentage of fat versus muscle, because that's how you get to sustainable, a sustainable, healthy body weight. Once you get there, if you take a, a missed turn, like I did recently with all the monster drinks, you can phone them and say, Hey, you know what? I'm putting on fat. Can I chat with you? No cost. They'll jump on the phone and say, Hey, what's going on? What, what are you doing? And you run through it with them and they can say something as simple as, oh, oh, you know what? Actually, that's additive. We found that is putting a lot of fat on people. Oh, you're drinking what protein drink? Oh, hey, hey, you know what? That has a fake sugar in it that's, that's going to lock fat on your body. Drop that. Or it might be, hey, you know what? You might need to come back in the program for a little bit, but not for long. Not for long. It's sodaweightloss.com, S-O-T-A weightloss.com. About 7,000 or over Google reviews, average of 4.8 stars. There's people there who've lost 150 pounds of unwanted fat like I have. And there's people there who took off that bothersome last 15. And that last 15 is a bummer because, man, your, your body's hanging tight to it. Been there, too. It's sodaweightloss.com. It stands for state of the art. G 
Van Fleet survived Mao Zedong. She was on Fox News. China is a socialist country. Cuba is a socialist country, and so is North Korea. They are socialist country uh, run by communist parties. And what's the difference? What's the difference between socialism and communism? Not much. No, and and, and she you know, describes that at greater length. length. And she talks about North Korea, China. Those are socialist countries. But what's the difference between them and communism? Not much. Well, I don't even know that the phrase communism or socialism really applies anymore because big companies have bought into this. And here comes more on the city states. In the city states, they know this. They know that very rich people and very high income people and the two are not the same. Rich people don't have to work. High income people work. Rich people and high income people and very poor people are super easy to manipulate. The middle class is where all the numbers are. They know that too. But the business model in the city is to give the rich people all the amusement toys in the world. The, the fallen city of Seattle has an NFL football team. They have a major league baseball team. They're trying desperately to get a basketball team back. They've got a, a women's basketball team no one cares about. They have a hockey team. Um, they've got a big, you know, ish college football program, University of Washington. Um, they have the waterfront amusement system. Um, they've got rides. Um, and when I mean rides, I mean adult rides, like a big, great, big, huge Ferris wheel that adults go down and ride. They've got stupid street cars that are simply amusement devices. They've got stupid scooters. They've got stupid rental bikes that don't do anything for commuting. And when I say that, let me put meat to that bone. The streetcar in Seattle, those outside the city don't know this. The streetcar in Seattle is officially slower than walking and it's deadly. Yeah, the first year it was, or year or two that it was in service, it killed two people. It, it did, it killed two people. Then they bought new streetcars for it and they didn't fit on the tracks. They don't care. That's your money, Iowa. That's your money, South Carolina. That's your money, Texas. They then give the rich people all the amusements. They give the developers all the sweet deals as long as they don't put in parking. We don't want parking. We don't want cars to park here. We want this to be a transit village. Why? Because to get here, we want people to have to take the trains. So the trains are the artery that allow us to spread this fascism to the, to the suburbs so yeah, you want a Whole Foods in the bottom of each apartment building? Fantastic. You want a Starbucks? Fantastic. Sweetheart deals for apartments and condos, not so much houses. They don't want houses. They want density. See, they'll talk about cities being crowded and not having enough resources, but it's density they seek. And ask a city sometime. I asked someone once who was uh, running for mayor of Seattle. I said, hey, by the way, when do we have enough people? And he said, what do you mean? I said, like, at what time do we say, hey, Seattle's full? Why would we ever say that? Well, don't you think that, I mean, we're a pretty small area. Seattle proper is what, like seven square miles? Don't we, or it's not seven, it's a, you know, some ridiculously small number, but when do we actually have, have too many people? Don't we just stop at one point? Oh no, we can't stop. We, we want to be one of the great cities. So we need to have more people. Yeah, but, but, but at a point you're full. Oh no, 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 we'll never be full. They want the density. They want the toys for the rich people. So that's what they do with the rich people. 
And then they sell the rich people. They sell the poor people. That's how this works. They go to the rich people, the high income earners with one simple message. You see all those homeless people. You see all those drug addicts. Give us money and we'll work on that. And they never work on that. And it's wash, rinse, and repeat for these other areas. Then you have this base. And with this base, now you can do all sorts of fascism. Fascism means something. It means that government and companies have become one. That's what it means. And with that always comes violence and force uh, and blackmailing because you have an Uber party. That's one of the reasons I call it the party. So they can do absolutely insane things. California is leading the charge to reduce emissions and combat the climate crisis. And this is how. State air regulators voted this week to approve a plan that would ban the sale of new gasoline-powered cars by 2035. The proposal would not impact used cars. CNN's Chris Wynn joining me live from the Golden State. So, Chris, uh, tell us more about this plan. Uh, could we expect other states to even follow suit? So, first of all, that CNN leading into this, and you see what they're doing. Oh, this is to solve the climate crisis and to reduce carbon. But never mind the, the batteries from the electric cars sitting in landfills. And you guys know these details as much as I do. This is the next step. Now they sell density to the mobbed up companies. Case in point, in big cities, hey, you want cable TV? Congratulations, there's one company you get to choose from. Just one. Why? Because they purchased that. They purchased you. I want internet. Okay. Well, there's th there's maybe three companies. But I want other choices. Nah, nah, I can't really do that. Why? Because they purchased that. I want a gas-powered car. Well, not if it's new. Why? Because the electric car companies purchased that from us. They sell the density. And with the monies they sell the density with, they build up this army. And then it's the schools. The left figured out, the leftist portion of the party figured out that no one really cares. No one really cares about school board elections. And there was a time when no one did. And this is the key. I said it three years ago. I'll say it again. Make them live in the world they're creating. The experience at the school boards was parents going in and saying, we're going to make you sit and listen to the things you're teaching our children. We're going to read it into the record. Now, in the separate country of California, they are legitimately debating a law that would make it illegal for you to use controversial language in a, in a, in a city school board meeting. And they get to decide what that is. Now, obviously, even in the separate country of California, that's going to get struck down on a First Amendment basis, but it's just more dominance waving. Make them live in the world they're creating at a state level. And you'll think some of this is bizarre. At a state level. No state aid for cities that don't fully fund the police. None. Listen, I know that sounds weird. The way the stuff gets installed is they trickle, trickle, trickle. The changes come over time.
make them live with the consequences. You're not going to fund your police force, then we're going to further unfund it. So, you know, your, your, your billion bucks and the billion dollars that matches from the state, our billion's gone. Well, that's going to make crime rampant. It is. You want crime less rampant? Fund the police. Schools. The, without scrapping the government schools, which we can't do constitutionally, any Republican who is not obsessed with school choice does not care what happens to this country or does not understand the stakes because the city states at 60 and 70% control, you see they don't have to care. They don't have to pretend to protect the, t- uh, pr- to, to respect the students anymore or the teachers. So at a state level, it must be school choice, school choice, school choice. And when it's not, it has to be activists in there to the worst possible degree. And I am, I am legitimately saying in, in student teacher meetings, if you have a teacher who is teaching your kid perverse sex, I am telling you and asking you and begging you to put that in their lap. And I mean it. You have a parent-teacher meeting with a teacher who's teaching your kid perverse sex acts. Sit down in that meeting and forgive the rough language. I'm going to use rough language. Sit down and look that teacher in the eye and go, do you have group sex? And make them answer. For the city states that are pushing the electric cars. Fantastic. There's no charging stations outside of the cities. They can't be government funded. You have to fight this at every possible level. You have to put performance metrics on things. The key to this may well be the performance metric. It may well be saying, okay, you want to do these things? Show me the increase in ridership. Show me this moves 30% of people. Show me that on legitimate tests that the students excel. Show me that this reduces crime. Show me that this reduces drug addiction or the programs are gone, but it has to be at a state level. Slice and dice the big cities into small cities or make them counties. Make them live in the worlds they're creating. If you don't, your states are gone. And get out. I am going to tell you with my whole heart open. I know some of you can't leave. Living in the city states, you're funding them with tax monies, with road monies, with sales tax monies. If you can't leave your state, leave the cities. Find the most conservative area of your, of your community and get there. Leave. Otherwise, you fund this. Every time you buy gas in one of these city states, you fund it. Every time you buy food, you fund it. Even in North Idaho, you will see me buy food in Coeur d'Alene once every three months. I fight like you wouldn't believe to not buy any gas in Coeur d'Alene. I just try everything I can to not fund that city. And it's a pretty conservative one in comparison to the rest of the country. And lastly, if you cannot leave, teach. And make disciples within your own family. What we are talking about is not a flesh and blood war. You are fighting against spirits. 
You're fighting an evil spirit. Pro-crime, pro-rape, pro-drug use, pro-force, pro-violence, pro-perversion, pro-corruption, pro-lie. There's nothing in the city-states that aligns with God. It's a teaching opportunity. Dad, why are there so many homeless people here? Because the city wants them here. Because the city uses them and sells them. Do we view people as products? No. Do we hate homeless people? No. How do we help them? Give them money? No, we give them food. Teach. And get out. At the state level, treat these cities for what they are. They're Maoist villages with tentacles reaching out to your community. If we do not fight the city-states, the states fold, and it happens over time, and in the next 10 years, Utah becomes a purple state and then a blue state because of Salt Lake City and the failure of Republicans there to fight against what is purposely being done. Same thing in Austin. It'll just take longer because Texas is so big and so conservative. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. And remember that the Lord Jesus spent mm, a lot of time way out in the suburbs because the true revolution that changed the world, it was the only true grassroots movement. So there is something to be said about moving out with us.